Hello everybody, my name is Ben Schluter and welcome to this, the first episode of Goal to Go for the year 2022. Yeah, that's a thing. It's also the first Goal to Go episode of Carnival Season as that begins tonight. Um, how fun, I guess. A programming note about tomorrow's episode of the Goal to Go two-point conversion. It will not be at the normal time of around 5 or 6 o'clock because... If you listen to the new show I did yesterday, you will know exactly where I'm going to be. I'm going to be at the gym meet, which starts at 5.45. Um, yeah, I'm not going to just try and record and upload and edit all of that and then walk 15 minutes over there. That would be absolutely redunk. So instead, that'll come out after that. So expect it to be around 8, 9 o'clock, maybe? We'll see it. Um, still, it'll be out on Friday, as it always is. So, let's get into the not-Friday things. By starting with the NFL games from the prior week, I did quite well in my penultimate predictions of the regular season, going 12-4. and four. Yeah, I don't know how I did that either. Um, yeah, let's start with the Falcons and the Bills. So, the Bills started out sloppy. Um, they were down 2 nothing. They were down, like... What was it? 12 to 2? Or 12 to 9? And then they weren't. Yeah. Or 15 to 14 was the final uh, time at which they had a deficit. And then the Bills stormed back to win the game 29 to 15. Though Josh Allen threw like three interceptions, he ran for two touchdowns. So, you know, that's a good way to offset it. Then we have the Bears and the Giants. You, yes you, dear listener, had more net passing yards than the entire Giants football team. The Giants finished with negative 10. This is the worst performance by a team since 2009. I don't know how it's possible. Um, there's a metric that uh, ESPN uses. Uh, it's their own QB rating. They've been doing it since 2006. Had um, Mike Glennon been eligible for it, with his attempts, he would have finished the game with a 0.0 rating. The lowest previous mark was 0.3. That's bad. Yeah, the Giants the Giants scored three points in this game. That's the most impressive part of it. How did you score three? The Bears went out there and they beat the Giants 29-3 in a game that can only be described as an absolute train wreck. My god, there were games in the 70s that looked better on offense. Then, a game I missed. I had the Chiefs beating the Bengals. Like everyone did. I'm glad I was wrong. So, uh, I was in my fantasy championship. Turns out that's actually a two-week thing. Although, thanks to Jamar Chase, along with the rest of my roster, but mostly Jamar Chase, it really became a one-week affair. I ended up winning the first week by over 100 points. 184 plus to 180, I mean, to just 82. Yeah. I won it by over 100. It's a two-week cumulative score. But Jamar Chase accounted for 50.1 fantasy points. He was on another plane of existence in this game. It kind of reminded me of stuff I saw in 2019. Like... It didn't shock me that he was doing it, because I was looking at it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that, and that, and that, and, uh, the third and 27 conversion broke me a little bit, because I'm like, what are you doing? Okay, that worked, okay, fine, 
Fine, then. I guess we're going vintage. The dude was bawling. He had a catch where he had clearly bobbled it, and he lost a few yards from where it originally was going to be caught, but he didn't drop it. He just caught it. Dude broke the rookie record for receiving yards in a game. He had 266. Like, it was kind of ridiculous to watch it. Because, like, the defense was trying to cover him, and they couldn't. Their, the first touchdown was like a 70-something yarder, and he basically crisscrossed the defense. And what's crazy is we ran the same play in 2019. Like we ran, I think it was against uh, Clemson in the national championship. We ran like the same play. Basically the same result. Like, this is the thing about that whole Jamar Chase pick. I said it was going to be good for a reason. I said it was going to be a good pick if they did it. Um, who needs, and, and I said this, an elite wide receiver can be as valuable as an offensive lineman. There are other people. I didn't, that wasn't even my opinion. Like, I'd seen somewhere where someone had done, like, values. And, like, if you have an elite wide receiver, it can make up for it. And the thing is, Joe Burrow keeps getting sacked, and it doesn't matter. Oh, no, he got sacked. I guess I'll just have to throw to Jamar Chase again. Um, to quote the man himself... Effort, he's out there. Like, it's just a game. I hated the ending, though. So, at the end of the game, it's fourth and goal. The Bengals are tied with the Kansas City Chiefs at 31. They kick a field goal, so the Chiefs are out of timeouts. It's about a minute to go. They kick a field goal, the Chiefs will have a chance to match them or even score a touchdown. They will have no timeouts, but they'll have a minute, and that's a lot of time for Patrick Mahomes. So it's fourth and goal, and Zach Taylor elects to go for it. I don't like it. I think they should kick the field goal. And then they roll out and throw it to Joe Mixon behind the sticks, and he doesn't get the first down. But there are offsetting penalties. So they get another chance at it. Now, there were only 50 seconds on the clock at this point. And by the way, yes, this is one of the games in my area, so the only reason I can talk about certain games is that I watched them. Awesome! Uh... Yeah. So, you got that. That happens. It's 50 seconds. I think that that's the point at which you kick a field goal. Zach Taylor is really, really losing his mind. And he goes for it again. Pass is broken up. Joe Burrow gets hit pretty hard. And there's a flag on the play. Hands to the face. And it's a pretty blatant one on the Chiefs. So now, automatic first down. Brandon Allen comes in. Takes the knees. Sets up an Evan McPherson game-winning 20-yard field goal. And the Bengals are off to the playoffs. And they have won the AFC North. That game was amazing to watch. It was incredible. The Chiefs had like a makeshift offensive line because they lost both of their starting... It was like their starting left tackle was out of the game. And their backup went out of the game. So they had to use a third stringer. They never gave up a sack for like the majority of the game, if all of it. Both teams were just playing out of their minds. It was absolutely amazing to watch. Just beautiful football. If you are a fan of football, that was a game to behold. Also, one of the funniest things was when Charverius Ward broke up a pass intended for Jamar Chase, and then he did the gritty, and then two plays later, Charverius Ward gets absolutely... He just gets mossed and, you know, beat so hard for a touchdown. And it's like... Bro, what were you thinking? 
what were you thinking on that? You do realize you're going up against possibly the best wide receiver in the league. Just just a reminder to people that at the beginning of the season, uh, like last year, let's be honest, people said, yeah, Justin Jefferson's really good. He's not the best player from that team. He's not the best wide receiver from that team. That was Jamar Chase. You're looking at it right now, and um, we told you, I saw it with my own two eyes. Dude is a stud. An absolute stud out there. If he doesn't win Offensive Rookie of the Year, someone should be... It was like, I, I don't know how you don't give it to him. I don't care about that lull he had in the middle. He's more than made up for it. Plus, Mac Jones has also had his own lulls. <laughs> lulls. You know, that game where he barely threw any passes. Yes, they won, but like he really didn't show up there. That wasn't really his game. Uh, the game against the Colts... That was just dreadful. I really don't know about Mac Jones compared to Joe Burrow. I mean, not Joe Burrow. No, Joe Burrow should win comeback player of the year, by the way. He came back from that nasty injury last year, and he's absolutely balling out. And luckily enough, that injury that he suffered against the uh, Chiefs, it was just a minor knee sprain. They're going to rest him for the final game, despite the fact that the Bengals have a slight, it's a very small chance of the one seed. It requires two things to happen that will almost certainly not happen. But yeah. Anyway, on to the Dolphins and the Titans. I thought the Dolphins would win. I'm an idiot. No, the Titans won this game. Not only did they win this game, though, they dominated this game. Like, nobody really talked about it, and I didn't really watch this game because it wasn't on. But 34 to 3. Titans put on a clinic out there, and the Titans now can get the one seed this week without needing help. They just got to do their own thing. Then another game I missed was the Colts and the Raiders. I thought the Colts were going to win it. The Raiders did it. I think maybe just the emotional weight of John Madden. They just had the power of John Madden. Like, that wasn't going to... They, they, there was no chance. There was no chance. The beatings will come, you will be beat. Um, you know, it's the spirit of John Madden getting back at the Colts for... Oh wait, not getting back at the Colts, I'm sorry. This was the thing that happened a bunch. Yeah, ghost of the post, etc, etc. Then in the beatdown of the week, Patriots-Jaguars. 50-10. to This is only the second 50-10 to game in NFL history. The other one was a 1998 loss by the Jaguars to the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, not exactly great. Now the Patriots just, they put on a clinic. They put on absolute clinic. The Jaguars are just a, well, they're a clown show out there. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. The Bucks beat the Jets. I'm not talking about the Antonio Brown situation. Mainly because I want the developments to come out before I actually talk about it. I'll briefly address it and that's it. Antonio Brown, uh, he left the game. He left the game. Uh, he took off his pads, left those on the sideline, threw off his undershirt, threw his gloves. Both of those uh, things went into the crowd. Um, and then he walked off the field uh, doing jumping jacks on the field while the Buccaneers had players on the field. I don't personally believe that that should have been flagged, mainly because I don't believe Antonio Brown was considered a player at that point. You can't be a player if you don't have a jersey on. That's just a personal opinion. I mean, he didn't have a helmet on either. Can't, if you don't have either of those, you're not a player. So, good call by the refs. Um, 
But yeah, so that was a whole weird thing. And yet I think it's the second weirdest part of that game. Because the weirdest part was the fact that the Jets were beating the Bucks, And if they weren't stupid at the end of it, probably could have. The Jets decided to sneak it at the at their own, I'm sorry, at the Bucks seven yard line on fourth and two. You kick the field goal, you're up four. You kick the field goal, go up seven, force Tom Brady to score a touchdown, and that way you got a chance of winning the game in overtime. You get the ball in overtime, there's a chance you win it. You're as close as you're going to get. Do not get aggressive. No, you want to upset them? You force Tom Brady to go down the field. You know what he did? He went down the field and threw a touchdown pass to Cyril Grayson. With 15 seconds left. That last drive is apparently a pretty masterful work by Tom Brady. Should be noted, by the way, here's a funny statistic. The Taysom Hill-led New Orleans Saints put up more points on the New York Jets than the Tom Brady-led Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I just thought I should mention that. Just because I think it's a little bit funny. Imagine not scoring 30 points on the Jets. You know what you did, Bucks? I'm only doing this just to, you know... Have some fun at your expense. You brought the Buccaneers' scoring defense. You made it better. You somehow managed to score fewer than 30 points on a defense that makes it almost impossible for teams to fail at that task. Congratulations. Your offense isn't that good. I know it's injured to hell and back, trust me. But you had Mike Evans. No excuses. Anyway, another thing that had no excuses. The Eagles are in the playoffs. I told you the Eagles were good. I think earlier this year, after they beat us, I told you that was not just a fluke win for the Eagles. The Eagles are that good. If they run the ball, they can be good. Um, I need to give my apologies to Nick Sirianni. I, I went on a rant about Nick Sirianni and how I didn't believe in him. I want to apologize personally to Nick Sirianni. Hi, Nick, I know you don't listen to this, but I still believe I should do this personally. Um, You didn't seem like the right guy at all. You just seemed like some dude, and you didn't inspire confidence in me. But you inspired confidence in your players, and you got them to believe, and you also decided to start running the football. Oh my god, what took you so long to figure that out? Okay, seriously, just quick thing. You saw what it did against the Saints. Why didn't you try doing this all the time? And then you started doing it more. Wow, Jalen Hurts is a mobile quarterback. Who could have seen this coming? Wow, Jalen Hurts can actually play decently. Impossible. I mean, we're talking about a guy who was a Heisman finalist for a reason. I think he was a Heisman finalist twice. He was at least once in a Heisman race where the there was one winner and three other guys who showed up, I guess. But still, he's really good. And the Eagles, they were in a fight for their lives with Washington. Washington could have had it, and in the end, they didn't. Eagles clinch a playoff spot. Uh, Washington, we need to have a talk real quick. Um, Fix your stadium. I know it's an unsalvageable wreck. Fix it. Stop using zip ties. I think it's a great metaphor for the entire organization, is that you try to fix everything with zip ties instead of actually addressing the problem. Dan Snyder is the worst thing ever. Then, Rams-Ravens. Boy, oh boy, Rams, you look vulnerable. Too vulnerable. Maybe you could uh, do us a little favor on Sunday and then we'll see you. (laughs) See, the Rams were losing to the Ravens. They weren't doing a great job. 
and then the Rams came back. I could have watched this game. This was the other game out of my area, but I decided to watch uh, Joe Burrow play football because that's fun for me. We miss you, Joe. Um, yeah, Rams-Ravens, it happened. The Rams won. They came back. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, the Ravens are now basically out of the playoffs. This is an unfortunate scenario to be in. Then Chargers-Broncos, or as I like to call it, that game where the Broncos decided to die. Because that's what they really did in this game. Uh, the Chargers special teams was good. This is something that is very incredible. Uh, incredible. It was good. They did good things. Their defense played well. Their offense played well. Things were clicking for them. It's something that... Why wasn't that there last week? Chargers, why couldn't you do that against the Texans? A team that's not good. That's led by Davis Mills. Whatever. Speaking of the Texans, they played the 49ers. They lost 23-7. They had the lead at one point. Uh, the 49ers are interesting. It would have been really nice if the Texans had not done the winning thingy. But that's whatever. Um, cause, you know, this technically does help the Saints in a weird backwards way tiebreakers. Um, but Trey Lance, my God, Trey Lance is a good quarterback. Who could have seen this coming? So many people. Um, Jimmy G out with an injury. Trey Lance, he had a good performance. Maybe he is the future in the San Francisco land. Then Dallas and the Cardinals. Yeah, I got this game wrong. Thought the Cowboys were going to win. Uh, Dak did not have a great game, but he padded his stats at the end, which was good for my fantasy team, and that's all I care about. Mainly because I don't care for the Cowboys. Cowboys have a problem. Their offense. Their offense is not playing well down the stretch. What the heck has happened to you? Like, Dak isn't just in a slump. He's falling off. Remember that whole... Remember this. Kellen Moore is an offensive genius and is in no way overrated. Seriously, I don't get it. Stop stop thinking this guy is so great. He's not shown on a consistent basis that he can get the team that he's coaching to perform at their best over the whole season. And you have to look at right now. They're not just slumping. They're falling off. The offense is not performing at the highest level. And that's just stupid. Another thing that's stupid, Mike McCarthy, you really got fooled by a Gene, I'm sorry, a Gus Malzahn trick? So the Cardinals put Kyler Murray and I think it was Matt Prater or they put their punter on the field at the same time and it confused the Cowboys so much, Mike McCarthy had to call a timeout. That timeout would end up backfiring on him because late in the game, the Cardinals fumbled the football. It was ruled down by contact. Um, and because the Cowboys couldn't challenge it and it was outside two minutes, and it was a clear fumble on the review, uh, ball stayed with the Cardinals and they ended up winning it. That play should have automatically been reviewed. That should That's a process in college football where you have some of the worst camera work sometimes. I'm looking specifically at you, Texas State versus Baylor. I don't want to be rude to, like, Texas State. I know they don't have that much money, but, like, come on, can we get a GoFundMe started? Okay, this is a random thing I'm just going to say right now. Can we get a GoFundMe started to help Texas State get better camera work? Please? I'm not going to do it, mainly because I'm not affiliated with them, but, like, I just want to help them. Because that game was the saddest thing I saw in college football, from a camera work perspective. 
It's just not good. Um, but yeah, no. Cardinals win. Uh, Cardinals stay alive in the hunt for the NFC West. Then Saints-Panthers. This game was everything you were expecting from this game in the sense that it was an ugly game no one wanted to watch. The Panthers, they scored 10 points in the first 17 minutes of the game and then went scoreless because the Saints defense decided to show up for a little bit. A fun. Cam Jordan is doing things that don't happen. Well, actually, they do happen because the last guy to do it was Cam Jordan. His last three games, he's had at least two sacks. He's had at least two sacks in the last three games. And that means he's doing it against Tom Brady. He did that to, uh, who are they? Jacoby Brissett and Tua Tagovailoa. And now he's done it to Sam Darnold. I know those aren't all, I was like, those are, those are an assortment of quarterbacks. But he's done it. He's playing out of his mind. It's awesome. For the second time in three weeks, he won Defensive Player of the Week in the NFC. What? Okay. Um, and the Saints scored a touchdown for the first time in 11 quarters. And then they missed the extra point. Because we can't have nice things. All in all, it was a game that I, I don't care how we win. I really don't. Because winning is all that matters. We have to win in order to make the playoffs. Because that whole Dolphins game screwed us. We have to win and get some help. Then Seahawks-Lions in a game that could be a bittersweet uh, you know, send-off for either uh, Russell Wilson or Pete Carroll. Uh, the Seahawks just dominated the Lions, beat them 51-29. to You could have had Jared Goff in there. He wasn't. Uh, it was, again, the return of Tim Boyle, and it wouldn't have mattered. Seahawks were just playing out of their minds. They even put up 50 points. They actually put up 51 Crazy to think that this week we had two teams put up 51. Rashad Penny, by the way, he led the NFL in rushing yards with 170. Dude is going into free agency this year, and having that kind of performance at the end of the year, that can really raise your stock. I'm really... You got to know this about me. I want guys to do well and get paid the money they deserve because that's all you can really ask for. I want to see good football, and I want to see good football players. And I want to see them rewarded for their play. Rashad Penny playing well. He was a great running back in college. Having some sort of a vintage performance is always nice to see. Even if it's in a meaningless game. Then, on Sunday Night Football, we had the Packers versus Sean Mannion and the Vikings. First of all, congratulations to Sean Mannion for throwing his first NFL touchdown pass. It's been many years that he's been in the league. He started a few games, and he finally threw his first touchdown. That's a thing. I don't know. I feel the need to congratulate the man for it, considering not every quarterback that starts in the NFL throws a touchdown, and he has now added his name to the list of those that have. Unfortunately, the Vikings are stupid. So, you have Dalvin Cook. He's a good running back. And you have a quarterback that has never thrown an NFL touchdown. What do you do? Do you run with Dalvin Cook, or do you throw with Sean Mannion? For some inexplicable reason, the Vikings chose throw with Sean Mannion in sub-zero weathers. Or at least that's how it felt. Okay. I'm not an offensive genius or anything, but I don't think you need to be to know 
maybe you should run the football there when you are with a guy who doesn't like all signs point to run the football everyone was expecting a ton of running and what did we get the Sean Mannion show no that's not how you win you're trying to win right it's the Packers you could sweep them that's very difficult run the ball And I didn't even say I wanted the Vikings to win. I wanted them to lose so that we could get into the playoffs. But still, I want to see good football, and I like to see competitive football. And Zimmer decided not to give us that. So, hats off. You suck. Then finally, on Monday Night Football, we got the Steelers and the Browns. I picked the Steelers to win this game because they always beat the Browns. They beat the Browns again because I know what I'm doing. In what is possibly uh, Ben Roethlisberger's final home game. Uh, yeah, he, sh- he shouldn't have thrown the ball that much for that little efficiency. By God, dude, what the hell was that? He had thrown the ball like... F- the yards per attempt was... It was bad. Neither team looked good out there. This was an ugly football game. Not worthy of anything. But you know what? Hats off to... An incredible Hall of Fame career. And now, it's time for my week 18. Yeah. Um, by the way, there will be two games that I don't actually preview because normally there's one. However, I usually don't preview the Saints game until its own episode. However, because there are two games, uh, not just that game, there's also the Rams and 49ers game. That is so important to the Saints. I feel like I should wait a day just to see what the rosters look like. Um... Yeah, that, that's, that, literally, that game impacts whether the Saints get in. For those of you who don't know, the Saints need to beat the Falcons and hope the Rams beat the 49ers in order to get into the playoffs. We'd be the seventh seed. We would go to Los Angeles for wild card game number one. And playoff game number one. Anyway, let's start with the first of two Saturday games, because, you know, I guess that's what we've decided is necessary. We have the Chiefs and the Broncos. If you think this is going to be a difficult decision, you're an idiot. So, Chiefs are going to beat the Broncos. The Broncos are garbage. The Chiefs have a football team. Let's let's just put that right there. Let's be honest about this. Is Drew Locke really going to do this? No, didn't think so. Then, the Cowboys and the Eagles. Now, the Eagles are an interesting team. They're actually a pretty decent team. But the Cowboys have something to play for. Because there is a... Oh, wait. No, they don't. That's right. They can't do anything. Yeah. They're 11-5. and five. Um, They could rest starters. I don't know if they do that. If they rest their starters, I will say that the Eagles would probably win this game. So, here's the thing. I can change this prediction whenever I want to. So, here's how I'm going to put it. If the Eagles are playing a fully healthy Cowboys team who is not resting starters, I think the Cowboys win that game. They'll edge them out. If the Cowboys rest starters, Eagles are going to win it. The Eagles are actually a really good football team, and I cannot wait to... By the way, I'm just going to say this. I can't wait to do the playoff preview because, oh boy, that's going to be fun. Yeah. Then Bengals and Browns. I think the Bengals win this. They are resting Joe Burrow, but the 
Browns aren't playing Baker Mayfield either, so it'll be the battle of the backups. I will say, since week six, there's been an interesting theme with the Bengals. They've won two, lost two, and they kept flipping that. Well, now they've won two in a row. So, in theory, they should lose the next two games. Unfortunately, that means a first-round playoff loss. Please don't let this happen. I would like to see the Bengals win a playoff game. Then Packers-Lions, even though the Packers are probably going to be resting a bunch of starters, I think their backups are still better than the Lions. But it will be an interesting game. No, it won't. It won't. But whatever. Then Vikings and Bears in what's likely the final game for both head coaches. Um, I think the Vikings will win it. Though the Bears are quite an interesting football team, if they win this game... They will be the first team since the Texans in like 2013 or 2015. It's been a while um, to win three straight games with three different quarterbacks. That is a weird thing to do, but it's been done. Uh, Yeah, but I think the Vikings win it. Then Washington versus the Giants. I think that the Giants lose this game. Washington is just a better football team. Negative 10 yards net passing is all I need to say. Then Colts and Jaguars. Interesting fact, the Colts have not won in Jacksonville since 2014. They've beaten Jacksonville one time since then in a road game. I think it was in London. So they haven't beaten Jacksonville in a designated road game since like 2016. It's been a while. It's a weird little bit of voodoo magic that the Jaguars have. And Jaguars fans will be in attendance in droves. It's a clown out. So, for those of you who have not been following, uh, many Jaguars fans have changed their Twitter profiles to the clown emoji with Shad Khan mustache. Because Shad Khan, the owner of the Jaguars, is a clown for continuing to employ GM and idiot extraordinaire Trent Baalke. Now, is he aware of it? Yes. Is Trent Baalke aware of this? Yes. Is uh, Tony Baselli, their future Hall of Famer, I hope. He's a really cool guy. Um, aware of this. Yes. And they're not very fond of it. To which I would respond, you know, there's an easy way to fix this. Fire Trent Baalke. You are a team that has a generational quarterback and the first overall pick and a boatload of cap space. And no one wants to interview for your head coaching job. There are... There are people who are actively denouncing the fact that they had interviewed for you. That is ridiculous. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Shad, you need to sell the team, because honestly, you cannot keep running it into the ground like this. I get the Colts winning. If the Colts lose, things get funny, because the if the Sunday night football game ends in a tie, um, both teams from that game would make the playoffs. That would be funny. Please let us see it. Then Steelers and Ravens in a game that's actually technically a must-win for both of them because if the Jaguars win, then the Sunday night game, if it doesn't end in a tie, the loser of it is out, the winner of Steelers-Ravens is in. So that's a big deal there. Again, it's almost out of the question that the Jaguars win, but... Weird voodoo magic. This game is interesting. Uh, Lamar Jackson hasn't been practicing. TJ Watt, by the way, is on the verge of history. 
T.J. Watt has played in only 14 games this year, and he has 21 and a half sacks. If he gets a whole sack, he will tie Michael Strahan's record of 22 and a half. And if he gets a few more, so there is a. So for those of you who don't know, uh, Pro Football Reference has actually compiled the sack numbers uh, for players pre-1982 in the 60s and 70s. If he gets one and a half sacks, he will tie the all-time record held by Al Baker. Al Baker in his rookie season uh, had 23 sacks. He needs a whole two sacks to break that record, and it will only have been in 15 games. Quite a remarkable accomplishment. I'm hoping he gets it. Um, Titans, Texans, I get the Titans winning this one, though the Texans have played the Titans really close, and they beat the Titans this year. If the Titans win this game, they lock up the one seed in the AFC. The Titans lose this game, and the Chiefs win, the Chiefs will lock up the one seed. Really big game, the Titans have to win it. Um, we're skipping Saints-Falcons, that's for tomorrow. Bills-Jets, I got the Bills winning it, the Jets suck. I don't know how the Jets managed to almost beat the freaking Bucks. you tell me. I wish they would have, it would have been hilarious. Dolphins-Patriots, I got the Patriots winning this one, the Dolphins are just... They got beat by a better team. They got crushed by a better team. I think that the Patriots are... They're doing quite well. Patriots are really hoping that the Jets win. If the Jets win and the Patriots win, Patriots lock up the division. Otherwise, it's Bill's division. Bucks-Panthers. I got the Bucks winning it. The Panthers are on a tailspin. Although I want to say this. I think, genuinely speaking, give Matt Rule a third year because... Third-year Matt Rule is kind of stupidly good. His first two years don't end up going well, and then in his third year, he turns things around. That's what he did at Temple, and that's what he did at Baylor. Give him a third year. I, I really don't understand it. What's my fascination with the Panthers? Like, I could genuinely... If I watched Panthers games, I would do this. They are weirdly my second... Like, they're a fascinating team to me. I could do a case study on them, and I'd be quite interested. Again, we're skipping Rams 49ers. Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals have to win it. I think they will win it. Uh, it's going to be a tight game, obviously. That division's weird with its games. They tend to be pretty close. Um, but I think the Cardinals just edge them out. Although, if Russell Wilson's playing like he has been recently, where it's been, if he's on, he's going to be well on. If he's off, they don't. Cardinals have to win that game. Otherwise, there's a 0% chance they win the division. And then on Sunday Night Football... Chargers and Raiders. Uh, this game will end in a tie, totally, 100%. It won't. I think the Chargers, they're getting back to where they need to be. They have to win this game. Uh, and I think they will win this game over the Raiders, but it'll be a very tight matchup. Uh, Vegas is going to be rocking for that game. Like, seriously, it's the biggest game for the Raiders in a very long time. And those are my predictions. Now, let's move on to the bowl season pick'em. And I'm trying to get this done before 4 o'clock, but it probably won't be done before then. Oh, well. So, let's do all of them. Starting with the game that was going on as I was recording last week's episode. Purdue ended up beating Tennessee. Oh, boy, did this game end controversially. Um, so it went to overtime. Boy, was this game going crazy. It went to overtime. Tennessee got the ball first. But... You see, 
Or did they get the ball first, or did this game go into double overtime? Will you let me double-check this real quick? No, this game did not go into double overtime. So, Tennessee gets the ball to start overtime. And they're driving, they're driving. It's fourth and, like, inches. They're fourth and goal. And they go for it. It's a big deal. And it looks like... And I didn't get to watch this play live. But looks like it's trying to stretch the ball into the end zone. But that doesn't happen. The refs blow the play dead before the ball goes into the end zone. And they rule that forward progress had been stopped. Now, Tennessee wanted a review. You can't review forward progress. It had been stopped prior to the goal line. Now, upon looking at the replay, it looked like Tennessee had been uh, a Tennessee player pulled the Tennessee runner into the end zone. That's not a touchdown. That's actually a flag and a five-yard penalty. But it is a five-yard penalty and a down, and you replay the down. So it would have been fourth and goal from about the six-yard line and Tennessee would have had the option to kick a field goal. Instead, they ruled uh, forward progress stopped, and that means turn the ball over. Purdue gets it. They get the chance to kick a field goal. They win the game. Tennessee fans are fuming. I would like to argue that, um, yeah, you know what? You have reason to be annoyed considering this ain't the first time this year that Tennessee fans have gotten screwed over by a loose interpretation of whatever the term uh, forward progress is. And by that, I mean Matt Corral getting called stopped forward progress somehow on a strip sack that ended up going for a touchdown. That was a terrible call in every sense of the word, but whatever. It happens. Deal with it. Then Michigan State-Pittsburgh in the Peach Bowl, a game that I actually didn't watch that much of because I was busy watching Missouri beat the number one team in the country, South Carolina, in women's basketball, but I watched some of it. I watched the ending, uh, and I watched the beginning. I just missed the middle of it. Pitt was down to their third-string quarterback after the second drive. Uh, Their backup was injured. Oops. And their starter, he was out. Their third-string quarterback actually managed to make this like a 10-point game. And then Pitt did it. They choked again. Yep, they let Michigan State back into it. Michigan State got a three-point lead, and everything was looking fine. If you had, um, yeah, if you had Pitt plus three and a half, it was looking fine. And then the third stringer threw a pick six. Oops, terrible beat. Yeah, terrible beat and an unfortunate way for the season to end, but a great win for Michigan State. Mel Tucker, man. Holy cow, what a what a season for him. Then, the Las Vegas Bowl. Yes, I stayed up and watched this game. I half-watched this game. This game was dreadful to watch. Honestly, this is one of the worst games I saw from the bowl season. Of the games I watched, this game was definitely the one I didn't like. Because you... Like, it genuinely felt like early in the game, there was no chance for Arizona State to come back. Because I think... If, I'm going to double-check this. Wisconsin got up 14-3 to in the first quarter, and I didn't think that there was a chance in hell that Arizona State was going to get back into it. Like, Arizona State looks bad. Herm Edwards has done things to that program which are just... He's cratered them. Their recruiting pipeline is dead. They got... No one wants to go there. Nobody can go there. You got possible NCAA infractions coming up on you. All in all, what a great hire that has had no consequences. Nope. 
Yeah, th this game was just ugly and I'd have to say unwatchable. Like, oh my god, bowl season produces meaningless games. You want to talk about a meaningless game? Wisconsin-Arizona State was possibly the definition of a meaningless game. That game was so bad to watch. But I picked the right team to win it. I also picked Wake Forest to beat Rutgers. And, yeah, Wake Forest beat Rutgers. It was, a. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. Rutgers showed up. They played better than I expected them to. I mean, 38-10? to 10? I thought it'd be tough for Rutgers to score. They were, they were playing around out there. They looked like a team that came to play and just got outmatched. Hats off to Rutgers. Hats off to Greg Schiano. Hey, you got your men together on such short notice to play a game. That's, that's pretty tough to do. Truly. You truly have built Shiano men. Um, then we have Alabama-Cincinnati. First college football playoff semifinal. And, uh, in fact, I'm going to save that for later. Because the college football playoff games... They deserve their own spot, considering I did predictions separately for those. Um, so that's a thing. Then, the Outback Bowl. Arkansas and Penn State. Got that one right. I actually did really well in these bowl games. Um, yeah, Arkansas, 24-10. Penn State tried the dumbest play I've ever seen in my life, so I need to explain it to you. So it's 4th and 13, 4th and 14, from like the 30-something yard line. Penn State fakes the punt. They just throw it out to a guy who's all the way to the right side, and he just chucks it to the end zone. When I say it was an arm punt, I mean literally an arm punt. And the ball falls dead, so Arkansas gets the ball at the line of scrimmage. And then a couple plays later, no, I'm sorry, later on in the game, Arkansas tried the dumbest thing, uh, the funniest thing ever, where they tried a double pass, and it got picked off. But this pass when asked after the game about why did you call that uh, James Franklin said that he was hoping that there would be a pass interference or that the ball would get picked off in the end zone never thinking once that what if we just ran a straight up fake punt to get the 14 yards instead or ran a play with our offense you know two things that don't require the defense to screw up not as much like really James what is your deal? How are you? Th I don't even know at this point. Then, in the Fiesta Bowl, Notre Dame choked it away? Who could have seen this coming? No, seriously. Wow. Um, Notre Dame had a 28-7 lead. You know what they decided not to do? At the... Um, so, 28-7 lead. Alright. Fine. Then it was 28-14. Because in 39 seconds, the Oklahoma State Sooner... I just said that. Somebody in the state of Oklahoma is about to punch me. So I'm just going to duck real quick. Alright, done. Um, Yeah, Oklahoma State Cowboys. They score a touchdown. They ran 39 seconds off the clock. They gave Notre Dame the ball with 37 seconds left. Instead of trying to score and take the momentum away from the team that gets the ball to start the second half, they just went into the half. You have, like, two timeouts. You have at least... You have, like, one time... It was at least one timeout. You don't want to try anything? You're really content going into the half and allowing them to have all the momentum? 
cool. This couldn't possibly backfire. Oh, it did? Who could have seen that coming? You have no excuses here. Notre Dame just choked on the biggest stage. I'm not laughing. No, you're laughing. I'm not enjoying this anyway. No, the schadenfreude isn't fun. Nope. Not fun at all. Nope. I'm not enjoying this. Seriously, it was really funny. Also, congrats to Oklahoma State on their largest comeback in school history. Absolutely awesome. Uh, Notre Dame answered at the end with a late touchdown, but by that point, it was too late. Um, and the game ended 37 to. 35. Yes. Then, we have Kentucky and Iowa. The Citrus Bowl. In a game in which I thought it would be impossible for Iowa to win because their offense wouldn't show up. I was wrong. They didn't win. But their offense showed up. Yes, that's right. Brian Ferentz decided how to do an offense. There's a joke that I cannot make here, mainly because none of you guys listen to the full cast. Listen to Shutdown Full Cast. Listen to the Antioch the Birthday Spider episode. You will die of laughter. I nearly died of laughter thinking about it last night. You have to understand that's how funny it is. Anyway, um, Kentucky. They just played a good game. But Iowa started to come back. They crawled their way back into it. And then, what do you know? Their quarterback throws an interception and loses the game. Oops. All in all, Iowa played football. Why couldn't you have done this the rest of the year? I'm so angry at you. Then, in the Rose Bowl game, which I completely missed this pick, uh, Utah lost to Ohio State by choking the game away. Seriously, guys, we need to talk about this. What are you doing? Uh, Smith and Jigba of Ohio State decided, what if I murder everything? and broke the single bowl game record for receiving yards in a game, and the school record. Because why not? There was a, there was like a two minute, it was like a two and a half minute stretch in that game. It was like 165 seconds of game time, where there were five touchdowns. Just, it was like kickoff return touchdown, pass touchdown. It was the, it was quite literally the greatest thing I'd ever seen in my life. Because it was like, hey, what if this game just gets drunk? Like, this is genuinely the sequence that happened. Yeah, it was it was four touchdowns in Yeah, it was four touchdowns in a minute five seconds. It was so there was a six yard run, and then Smith and Jigba got a fifty yard touchdown pass, then a ninety seven yard kickoff return, then a fifty two yard touchdown pass, and then like a couple, like a minute and a half after that one, you had another run of 62 yards. Like, it just got stupid in that game. I was hoping it would last forever. It didn't. Yeah. Utah, they had this big old lead. They were up by 10. They were up by 14 at one point, and then they blew it. That's unfortunate. But hats off to Utah on a fantastic season. Then the Sugar Bowl. In an unfortunate game, uh, Matt Corral. He went out of the game early with an injury. The x-rays came back negative, so that's awesome because it looked like a pretty nasty injury. So they had to put in their backup. This game was nothing like I expected it to be. Turns out it was going to be a really defense-heavy game. There were no offensive points in that game until later. It, it took a 
wild. There were no offensive points in the first half. That game was 7-0 at the half, and all seven of those points uh, were the result of a pick six. And it was 7-0 Baylor. Baylor ended up, win- uh, ended up winning the game 21-7. I missed the pick for this one. Uh, hats off to Dave Aranda. This is the first time in the history of Baylor football they've won 12 games in a season. Also, hats off to Dave Aranda for no-selling the um, the Gatorade bath. That's the term I was looking for. Like, he just gets the bath of Gatorade on him, and there's no expression on his face. Like, he's doing absolutely nothing. That man is... He's a... Like, he has emotion, but he does not show emotion. He's just, you know... He's a hearty man. But hats off to him. A 10... Think about this. A 10-win turnaround. This is a... Two-win team last year, 12 wins. That's that's one of the most incredible things I've ever heard of. And all it took was stealing BYU's offensive coordinator. Gee, I wonder how this happened. Seriously, this is the team that had no offense last year and this year. Their offense showed up. We have the Texas Bowl to round things out. Um, This was a farce of a game. This game should not have been played. I am dead serious there. There were 38 scholarship players available. I am looking right now at the actual list of players that were available for LSU. Uh, Yeah, it's small. A reminder that a team usually carries 85 scholarship players. It was not good to play that game. John Trey Kirkland, our wide receiver, fifth-year wide receiver, uh, played quarterback. Not like he's never done it. He won two state titles as a quarterback in high school, but still, not a thing you should have done. He threw three touchdown passes. He threw an 81-yard touchdown pass at the end of the game. They ran like this trick play, ran it outside, reverse pass to John Trey Kirkland. He throws the ball deep to a dude that had like maybe one or two catches on the season, Chris Harris, and 81 yards to the house. That is a nice way to end the season. Uh, sometime after the national championship game, I'll be doing a wrap-up for the LSU football season. Speaking of... Oh, you know what else I forgot to mention? The Sun Bowl happened. This wasn't on here because they said it was canceled. It wasn't canceled. Central Michigan won it. Central Michigan dominated that game. I actually watched this. Central Michigan dominated the game for the first half. They were up 21-0 on Wazoo. Um... And then Wazoo started coming back. The wheels started to come off for Central Michigan. So there's a fumble inside the five. They threw a terrible interception. And then there's a blocked 29-yard field goal. Things just came off the rails for him. But the defense played well enough to keep them in the ballgame for the first time in history. A MAC team beat a Pac-12 team. The Pac-12 finished with the bowl season with an 0-5 record. We call that an embarrassment. Now then, on to the playoffs. So I had Alabama beating Cincinnati, and I was right. Game ended 27-6. Ooh, that was under the total. I said it was going to be over. I was dead wrong. I said that Cincinnati would lead at some point. I was dead wrong. I said that uh, Jameson Williams would have more receiving yards than Alec Pierce. I was right about that. I thought that Bryce Young would have more passing yards than any other quarterback um, during the playoffs. Turns out that was wrong. Uh, Stetson Bennett had the most passing yards of any semifinal quarterback with 310. Bryce Young was second with 181. Then Desmond Ritter at 144. And Cade McNamara at 106. Brian Robinson, on the other hand, had 204 rushing yards. 
That was more than the other three picks on the list combined. Jerome Ford had 77, Hassan Haskins had 39, Zamir White had 54. I knew Brian Robinson was going to do it because holy crap, is he good of, he's a good runner. And what he did to Georgia was insane. So I thought he was going to tear up uh, Cincinnati. I wasn't wrong. Yeah. How many turnovers will be recorded in the semifinals? Four or five? I was right. It was four. Exactly. Touchdowns in the semifinals. I picked nine. It was eight. Unfortunately. I had Georgia winning. What a shocker. They won. Um, Let me see. I had that game as being an under. No. It was an over. That game went over the 44 and a half. Barely. It was a 45-point game. Receiving yards. I had Cornelius Johnson with more than Brock Bowers. I was wrong. Brock Bowers had 55 to Johnson's 18. I thought they'd be tied in the fourth. I was wrong. Uh... And 777 total yards in the semis. I have no idea where I got that number from, but it was more than wrong. It was 1,549. Here are the picks that I have for the national championship, and then we'll get out of here with this. So I got Alabama beating Georgia again. I got this game being under 52.5. I think this will be more of a defensive showing, uh, although Alabama might just roll in and destroy them. I think the first score of the game will be an Alabama touchdown. I think that Alabama will lead at the half, or it'll be tied at the half. I think Bryce Young's going to have more passing yards than Stetson Bennett. I think that Jameson Williams is going to have more receiving yards than Brock Bowers. I think that Will Anderson's going to have more sacks than Nicobe Dean. I just think that Alabama's pass rush is that good. I think Lag McConkie of Georgia is going to have more receptions than Slade Bolden, if only because he's going to be their safety valve on a lot of plays. I do think that uh, both teams will lead at some point. I think that there will be a random point where, like, Georgia gets the lead for no reason and then relinquishes it. Or they'll choke it away. Uh, How many rushing yards will Brian Robinson have between 101 and 124? Though I could be dead wrong about that. I think that's what it'll be. Which quarter will have the most points scored? Third quarter. Will the game go to overtime? No. How many total yards? This is a tiebreaker one. 508. And that is going to do it for this episode of Goal to Go. Don't forget the two, uh, not the two-point conversion. Well, the basketball ball cap. That will be out tomorrow for tonight's women's basketball game against the number one team in the country, South Carolina. Uh, Then, later on that day, there will be the Goal to Go kickoff show previewing Saints, Falcons, and Rams 49ers because that game matters so much for us. Um, yeah. So, if you enjoyed this, why not share it with other people? Uh, go check out all my other stuff, too, if you enjoy hearing me, I guess. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, find me at capital B-E-N, capital S, capital L, capital A, capital S, P-O-R-T-S. Um, yeah. So, I have been Ben Schluter. This has been Gold to Go. Hope you have a fantastic weekend, and until next time, bye-bye.